Hello and welcome to the Hey Queer London podcast, Tea and Cake. Each episode we'll put on a brew and have a natter with the fabulous people doing fabulous things for and about London's queer community. In these uncertain times, community is more important than ever. We want to celebrate the brilliant people keeping our community going. Hey kids, how are you? Lockdown seems to be flying by and I can't believe they were halfway through season two of Tea and Cake already. Seriously though, thank you for joining me on this journey. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. It's time for episode four and I'm chatting to Velvet Toned Songbird and the amazing founder and curator of the Coco Butter Club, Sadie Sinner, the Songbird. Before I chat to Sadie, I just want to say that as a member of the LGBTQIA community, I'm doing my best to ensure that I use the correct pronouns during these episodes. So if I slip up at any point during these chats, I apologise and promise to learn and do better. Hello to Sadie. Hello. Hey Sadie. How are you? I am so excited to be doing this. You are the first person I've spoken to um, that is not my flatmate or my mum in a little while. (laughs) I know it's always that weird thing when you've um with lockdown and everything you're you're stuck talking to all of the same people and you've done the same zoom calls all the time and you're just like I want to talk to a fresh face yeah, exactly <laughs> um because I think so basically I have a flatmate who goes to work all day so I spend my time by myself in the house and every time she comes home I just talk so much um so <laughs> I'm just trying to break it up at least speak to five people and not just one <laughs> That's a good plan. I remember um, the first time I walked into a coffee shop when they opened and I spoke to someone outside my house, we had a chat for about 20 minutes and I was like, I don't know what is happening right now. Like, I don't even know this person. but oh, I feel you so much. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited to be talking to you um, and just doing this. Yeah, I can't stop smiling. I know, it's good. Um, so how have you been? How's lock- lockdown been treating you? Um, lockdown has been one hell of a wave. Um, in the beginning, not to get very serious, but to get very serious. In the beginning... Get was, very serious, it's all fine. <laughs> it was mental health. It was just like um, not having people to see every day, um, being by myself before my wonderful flatmate moved in. Um, okay, I wasn't by myself. I was with my cat. But um, she's an outdoor cat, so she just comes in for food. That oh, really? <laughs> that made me more depressed, I think. Oh, um, no. um, but things picked up. My flatmate was able to move in. So I think that was really important, just having someone else to give me a sense of time because she has a regular day job. And by regular day job, I just mean like nine to five regular hours. Mm. Um, yeah, so at least I know when it's a new day and when I should go to bed now. <laughs> Um, but it's also been really cool because um, I think it's been really challenging as an artist to try and see how you can create content that can still reach your your people, um, especially with something like the Cocoa Butter Club, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. But um, yeah, it's been challenging, but in a way that is challenging when you grow and learn. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, have you learned any new skills through Ooh. lockdown? Um, so I'll tell you something about me. Um, so to answer the question directly, I already did videography work, actually. Um, I studied contemporary dance at university and we learned about the moving body on camera. So I already knew how to film stuff. So I wouldn't say that I've learned a new skill in that way, but I do know how to spotlight a video on Zoom. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. That is like probably one of the best tips. I think everyone needs to know that. <laughs> um yeah I'm trying to think anything else uh, cooking I've had to cook more than I've ever cooked in my whole life and I yeah. actually have given in a little bit and I made an order from all plants who were like a vegan food company so oh, yeah I've used them before they're brilliant they're really ah, really good excellent that really excites me yay um yes so cooking and zoom Cooking and Zoom, those are two really good skills. They're two really good skills. Yeah, I like those. I didn't have Because you've been... Before. No, cooking is one of those things that's like, I've got to the stage though where I'm bored of cooking myself and for my husband. I'm a bit like, it's been really fun and it's nice, but I'm sort of run out of my like recipe repertoire now and I just can't be bothered. <laughs> I hear you. Um, for the last two days, I've just eaten mac and cheese um, because... <laughs> 
my best friend came back from America and I asked her to bring some vegan mac and cheese, which she did. And I was like, finally, I don't have to cook, you know. Um, well, apart from the six cups of hot water. But yeah. That's totally easy to do. And then you can probably you can probably split it up for about two or three days. Exactly. That's eat. what happened. But today I definitely ordered something from Uber Eats for lunch just now. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's all fine. It's all fine. Thank you. Because you've been you've been super busy over lockdown as well. Like with the Coco Butter Club, I just you've done so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so much has been going on. We um, we obliged a date in April that would have been our show at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern where we have our residency. So we did an Instagram live show, and that was incredible. It was an hour long. It was so slick. And we also featured one of our favorite American performers. Um, so it was like 9 a.m. for her and she was stripping doing burlesque in L.A. Amazing. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what they do in L.A. anyway, right? Um, yeah, fine. It's normal 9 a.m. for them. Like, exactly. That's normally what happens. Um, I have also, uh, we have, oh, we did a whole week of Instagram takeovers where we invited um, artists of different disciplines who are part of the Cocoa Butter Club to um, take over our feed with a post all about themselves, to take over our stories. So lots of people showed us their house. Um, uh, someone showed us all of their plants. That was amazing. <laughs> like we were really into that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what I loved about it is the artist is a, a pole dancer and she was teaching us floor work, but we were all just really like, what's the name of that plant? Um, <laughs> so that's amazing yeah incredible so we had a whole week we learned floor work we learned musicality we learned oh the dance routine to Beyonce's formation as well that was incredible wow that's a good one to know yeah we learned how to sing and we learned how to hold up a hula hoop I say we um our audience did I can still not hold up a hula hoop And then I think we had a chair dance and we also had a lip sync dance, a lip sync class as well. Yeah. That's really cool. I bet people would have loved, they've loved all of that. They thought like. Yeah, it was amazing. And we had opened up donations and people were really generous as well. So it was a great way to have the artists still creating content and um, to, I guess, for them to feel, to understand how much people were grateful for them doing this because I guess mm-hmm. it's about how do we keep everyone company during this time like the challenge has changed it's not just about entertaining it's about how do we make people feel at home with us when they look on our page when they look at our content and like it's a real conversation not just that we're pushing out stuff so yeah we have been busy <laughs> yeah definitely but I think it's great that you did things where you people could learn something from you as well I think as you said like having a conversation like that is brilliant and and people learning a new skill and something that they might not have tried before is is amazing but I also like that thing um you're saying with noticing the house part the house plants as well I think people have got into that habit on zoom calls of looking at people's bookshelves behind and then judging people by what they've got on their bookshelves right. so that was good with the plants I like that right yeah. <laughs> um yeah that's something so okay, performers have been talking about this which is basically when we are filming from home we're letting people into our house into our home um and that's a total different part of the deal beforehand we were giving an illusion when we uh, meet someone in a performance space and we're on stage but now um I think it's and I think it's quite good basically like I think it's really showing one that performers and creatives are just people and it's also creating like a sense of trust as well so now um hopefully when lockdown is over hopefully people will come out and see those artists because they'll feel like they know them or at least I was thinking hopefully they won't be really creepy and be like I know you I know where your salt shaker is <laughs> <laughs> or where did you get that plant from that you had yeah. in the background of that one shot from that one video in April exactly. yeah I know and I love that I love that. I think yeah that personal thing I think it for me lockdown has brought that connection of community as you said community a lot more together and us being able to see in the background and see everything that's going on does build that really super personal connection um which will be interesting to see how that works after lockdown oh 100% I have been on panels um where we have basically said we can't go backwards this is the thing now um how do we even when lockdown is over continue doing our live performances in venues but also continue to produce content online um because Mm. we finally felt what if 
finally felt what it feels like um, to be people who can't leave the house with such freedom. Um, yeah, and those bodies won't go away. They will still have the same needs when all of this is done. Um, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's that's really cool. And and, and, I, and I, I think that that's an interesting discussion as well, because I also think the great thing with doing all the, with everyone producing all this amazing content over lockdown is also that a lot of people your the audiences have grown. So people who would know you within the London scene know you and, and seen you and think it's great, but people from other cities and other countries are now engaged in what you're doing. And like for them, they still need to, they will still want to be involved and be knowing what's going on. I think that's, that's brilliant. Actually, you've made a great point. When we were doing the um, classes during the takeover week, um, there were people who would be like, yeah, what time zone is this? Um, and I was like, oh, gosh, that's actually true. We're not just talking to London and we're not just talking to the UK. Um, yeah, we have people in America, people all over the world who want to join in in these classes. And it's exactly that. Um, audiences are just, yeah, are growing for many different reasons. Oh, I want to tell you something. Okay. Excellent. Should we get, should we get close and personal? Is that, it feels yeah. like we have to get closer to the microphone. Yes, I'm going to tell you something amazing. So, okay. do you know a lot about burlesque? I know a little bit about burlesque. A little bit. Do you know any famous burlesque names? Dita Von Tees, Excellent. I guess. Up there. I know one. Okay, I'll stop. Do you know what I'm talking <gasps> about then? When no. Zita Von Teese posted about us on her Instagram. Yay! That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it was um, in the caption. She was actually celebrating one of our favourite artists, um, Jezebel Thunder, who is mm-hmm. the <laughs> performer who was stripping at 9am um, for us. Um, she was highlighting um, Jezebel and Jezebel chose to mention the Cocoa Butter Club as uh, people who are doing important work um, and showcasing artists of colour. Yeah, so that's really cool. So we're That's really that amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. And someone like Dita Von Tees as well, who's got such a huge audience and is so well known to see what, see all the amazing stuff that we know that you're doing, but to get that recognition must be amazing yes it was i was like to toot 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 yeah <laughs> my family knows who this person is but i was like toot toot <laughs> she's amazing and like when she comes to london you can get you can bring it see if she can come down to a show <gasps> my goodness i gasped because that would probably never happen but i love how you dream big <laughs> i dream massive <laughs> behalf- I, like honey you've got to go big you've got to go big or go home you've got to she might do that would be amazing if she did these um, tease if you're listening to this podcast which you're probably not you should definitely when you come to london come to the next cocoa butter club event yeah. that'd be amazing um but we have had some incredible guests actually we have had um performers from the lion king um on broadway we have had the founder of black lives matter came to see our show as well yeah back in 2017 um which is so funny because she does a lot of activism but to me Mm. it's the thing that i expect her to remember but like she has a whole life do you know what i mean so i'm a bit like don't you remember me (laughs) and us um definitely had cooler moments um <laughs> <laughs> it always happens it happens to the best of us don't worry <laughs> yeah. um oh i didn't i want to tell you something random now okay <laughs> thank you go on for letting me really steer this conversation um when i was 14 years old i met lil bow wow do you know the rapper <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i remember little bow wow I met him. Didn't he dro- he, isn't he dropped the little now? Yeah, he's now yeah, just bow you're right. wow. yeah, but he's also See? a problem child. <laughs> so, he's a problem child, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won't go too much into it. Um, apart from it was just so bizarre because <laughs> I was like, wow, that's bow wow to my mom. And she was really like, go get a picture with him. And I was like, mom, I can't just ask him. And she just shouted like across the airport. Um, she was just like, bow wow. <laughs> And he had all of these pictures that had already been taken. Um, so he, yeah, they just pulled out one of these pictures that had already been taken, and then he signed it. Um, so it was wonderful and personal, and uh, I guess that's why I remember it. <laughs> it definitely, it's always that embarrassing parent moment where you just go, "Mom, I know that person." And they go, "Oi, that is <laughs> exactly." Um, my husband did it in Soho once when it was it was, it was Pride weekend, and he saw. Um, Rupert Everett just sitting outside a cafe and he ran over and was like Mr Rupert Everett Mr Rupert Everett can I get your autograph and he got a picture taken with him as well it was amazing but uh, yeah I think he 
It was just the fact he kept calling him Mr. Rupert Everett. It wasn't Rupert Everett. It was yeah. just Mr. Rupert Everett. Um, oh, I'm going to run cool. that one. Um, so one time you told me I could be nice and honest here. Of course. This is a, this is a an open space. <laughs> um, back in 2015, maybe, um, there was one of those parties. You know those parties that don't end until the morning time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, every, a couple of people always get delegated around, you know, 9.30, 10.30 a.m. to go get some juice or whatever from the shop. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> let's just say I was drunk. Drunk is the word we're going to use. I've been drunk mm-hmm. the whole night. Um, <laughs> me and my friend, we went down to the shop. It was in Belsize Park. And um, I decided to play a game because I was still drunk. Yes, drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, <laughs> and the game was to say hello to anyone you would see because we understood we also looked a bit of a wreck. So to see they'd say hello to us back. We're walking down the street. Hello, hello, hello. Only for me to say hello to this woman outside a pub who turns around and it's Helen Bonman Carter. What? Yes. That's amazing. But the worst thing is, apart from the person who's with me, no one believes me that it happened because everyone at the party was quote unquote drunk. So, they were quite, quite I was drunk. Too drunk, yeah. Was Helen the bottom carter outside a pub at ten a.m. in the morning? She was, and I don't understand why. But when I told my friend, okay. um, they said to me that um, that she lives around there. So actually, it wasn't quite unusual. They really weren't surprised. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Oh, we just see her all the time. Yeah. It just happened. Basically. Just around." <laughs> Amazing. So. Um, for people who don't know you, Sadie, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you do, but also about the um, the Cocoa Butter Club as well. Um, okay. Hello. <laughs> I love how we're like 15 minutes in and I'm like, now I'll tell you who I am. <laughs> no, it, it's good to have some, ra- yeah, it's good to have some ramble at the beginning. I, I like that. <laughs> and then chat. It's good. Um, so, hey, everybody. Um, my name is Sadie Sinner, the songbird, and I am a cabaret performer. I sing and um, I champion performers of colour and black performers. In 2016, I founded something called the Cocoa Butter Club. And I founded it to showcase and celebrate black performers and performers of colour to address underrepresentation and underbooking, which is never the artist's fault. Um, I just kind of thought maybe these producers aren't going to a space where uh, black performers and performers of colour can be found. Um, so I created a showcase for producers to come along and it was wonderful. Some did, but what I totally didn't think about is all the black or, uh, people of color who hadn't seen cabaret in bodies like theirs. Um, so our first show, which was incredible, we had Travis Alabanza, um, Demi Noir, Darren Charles, we had Lily Snatchdragon, and I want to make sure that that was, I think so. If I've forgotten someone, I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, it was outstanding when I looked out at the room. Um, it was such a mix of people. We had uh, black business professionals. My mum had invited her whole business network. Um, That's brilliant. Great. Yeah, like we had beauty queens there and so, like all people who work in uh, philanthropy, basically. Um, in addition to a beautiful sea of trans bodies looking up at us because the place was so packed people were sitting on the floor with their legs crossed like it was just beautiful um wow yeah so uh, so I founded something called the Cocoa Butter Club which I originally made I guess for white people <laughs> to come along and discover talent but actually lots of black brown and people of color were like hey these people look like us um and I guess all along it was actually a show for black people and people of colour. I just didn't really realise that because even the language that we use um, is very, yeah, it's like, it's our language. Um, so yeah, it's wild. Now I go to universities and I do lectures on decolonizing performance. What's going on? That's amazing. <laughs> I, th- I think it's absolutely brilliant. And and what I think, that, so I heard you say in an interview before, you said it's, it's, it's unapologetically black. Yes, and and people can't, and and I and I think that's amazing. I think creating a space like that for people to feel comfortable and see, as you said, bodies who represent themselves on stage, doing performances that they can easily relate to is is and relate to without feeling odd about it. I think that's yeah. great. I think it's brilliant. It is. It's um, gosh. <laughs> 
so some people joke that um basically I could be a cult leader and I'm like <laughs> the Cocoa Butter Club is a cult I'm not gonna lie I just think we're a cult for good um though I'm cult for good <laughs> definitely a cult for good don't worry <laughs> okay phew just making sure we're on the right side of history um <laughs> Um, but it's a wonderful space because yes, performers get to come along and get to bring us work that we don't ask perform bodies of color to just perform trauma. Um, and some performances are silly because <clears throat> they're just because. And um, we have we have people who create like homages to their yeah to their culture and to how they grew up, um, and so many friendships are forged at the Cocoa Butter Club as well. Like not just backstage, which is beautiful, people doing each other's hair, like people cornrowing each other's hair and just even being able to share foundations. <laughs> it seems like a small thing, but it's really big. Um, but on the other side, so our, our audience members, lots of people have, uh, friendships have been forged, relationships have been forged. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. We That's were told good. by someone that her cousin met their now fiance at the Cocoa oh. Butter Club. <laughs> That's great. The first, co- the first Cocoa Butter Club wedding. That's right? what you need. But if they don't book me to sing, I'm going to be <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> um, yeah, just I forgot what I was saying, but just so much goodness goes on. <laughs> Yeah, and you—I I know you did. Uh, you won the Trailblazer Award for QX Magazine a couple of years ago as well. For what you do, which is which is brilliant. And then was it also you're now in your global as well? It's not just not just yeah. London and 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 the all all of the all of our zones. It's like <laughs> Australia and Berlin as well. That, that's you amazing. Have done your research. <laughs> um, so the Australian chapter actually started at the same time as a London chapter, and it's because. Um, I always wanted Krishna to be a part of the performance um, in yeah, for the Cocoa Butter Club. And they were like, I'm sorry, uh, my visa's done. I need to go back to Australia. And um, because I think I'm much more important than I am in people's lives, <laughs> I was like, Krishna, you can only leave if you start a Cocoa Butter Club. And sure enough, <laughs> they worked with um, Australian sensation, uh, drag sensation, Danny Boy, and they curated the Australian version of the Cocoa Butter Club, which is just wonderful. They're sponsored by a performance space in Melbourne. Um, it's incredible. They don't do their shows as frequently as we do. They're about um, maybe every six months or maybe every quarter. But when we see the pictures that they upload onto the face, oh, it just, um, I already thought that this was big, but seeing how much bigger it is, like we're really part of a network. Yeah. <laughs> and that's amazing. Like creating a global family as well. That's that's brilliant. Yes, it was actually always my goal for the Cocoa Butter Club. Um, the idea is there are meant to be Cocoa Butter Clubs everywhere where there's underbooking and underrepresentation or spaces where bodies of colour need to reclaim their narrative. So um, my goals are for it to be franchised everywhere. <laughs> and um, whenever a performer of colour goes to a country or a city, um, they know that there is a place that they can go to where there will be producers of colour as well. So um, they just understand that uh, they're not getting booked as a token. They're not getting booked as, you know, the diversity hire. They're actually finding their home and their community in every land that they go to yes <laughs> that's amazing because I think it, it can be super scary for performers and everyone to go somewhere where they don't they don't see people they're instantly connected to in at, unfortunately on the scene there is that horror there is that thing of tokenism and there shouldn't be it's yeah I performers are amazing to, um I try to ask people, basically, if you're going to book one performer of a kind, to just imagine if you were the only person of a kind in a space. And especially if you have a wonderful event, so you, you know, if you're going to sell tickets, uh, 500 tickets, then really imagine if you were the only person of your identity in a room of 525 people. Um, so if, if you can at least think about it that way. Um, but also when you see communities together they just thrive more um because people feel comfortable around people who are like themselves um yeah and i think that we should honor that especially if you want the best out of people no definitely it's amazing because i think what you do with um, cocoa bottle club is 
is is phenomenal and and for the scene and it's also because we had a chat with uh, we spoke to ryan langi as well who does the hungama yes. and i think ryan also he has had a very similar very similar energy to you but he also and he also has a um his I guess his thing was also about about brown drag and about also grand performers and creating those spaces and also people uh, that thing of don't be a token. People should also be coming to him and going, who are the amazing people who I can, who I should be booking and I should be bringing onto onto my amazing onto the stage. Precisely. Um, I've even okay. So the best spaces that we go into do their best to make sure that there are people like us. Um, backstage as well so because it's not just about yeah having um one black or brown body on the lineup or having um an entire black or brown uh, performance troupe on the stage and um, when we went to manchester trafford shout out because they're the best um <laughs> when we went to perform for manchester trafford pride they had actually hired a black sound technician and that just felt like home. It was wonderful. And even he, um, the type of music that we were performing to made his day as well. And um, it made us realise like we have family, not just our allies, but also the people who do look like us in Manchester Trafford. So that's the reason why we would go back in a heartbeat. Of course. That's amazing. Because yeah. also you've done some stuff with um, Bar Watts as well and the RVT uh -huh. in the past. How did that come about? How did they start? Um, so, independently from the Cocoa Butter Club, when I perform, I can be booked as a vocalist or I can be booked as a host. Um, most people book me as a host and vocalist because um, that's the most fun. <laughs> um, so I've been really fortunate to be a host at Bar What uh, slash Bar Whatever for um, the last couple years, especially for October Black History Month. Mm -hmm. um, and I ask for that space during that time because I feel like I can do a really good job of honoring what Black History Month is about. And the reason I mention that is because we're talking about like, you know, you shouldn't just have tokens. So, you know, you shouldn't just book a Black host for a Black History Month, but not throughout the rest of the year. But that's not what mm -hmm. Bar What Do. But um, I also think that if you, if you really know about something um, and you can steer it, then yeah, you should honour that. So I'm really, really lucky that I get to do that. Last year, I actually shared the hosting duties with Reese's Pieces. Amazing. Yeah. I've been meeting, they're, they're, one, they're someone who I want to get on the podcast at some point. Oh my goodness, that's so fun. You'll have so much fun. Um, Yay. <laughs> yeah, we split the weeks. I did two weeks, Reese, uh, Reese did two weeks, um, and that went down really well. And um, how did the Cocoa Butter Club slash myself end up at the RVT? <clears throat> well, um, after we lost the wonderful Camden Town venue, Her Upstairs. Which um, is such a shame. It was a great venue. Right. And I, you know, I didn't really, okay, sometimes I'm just like, oh, what happened to all of our friendships and all of our liveliness? And I realised when Her Upstairs went, that was a home for a lot of people that was a hub for a lot of people. It was a reason that I saw so many of my friends, you know, multiple times a week. So yeah, you're totally right. That was a real part of the culture that was sad that I had to go. Um, but we were homeless, the Cocoa Butter Club in, um, yeah, in essence. We didn't have a resident space and the RVT worked so hard um, <laughs> to get us <laughs> to lure us over. And we're so proud to be there. Um, we had made clear that we wanted to be in a space that could actually be wheelchair accessible slash step through access um, because that was uh, something that we didn't get to have at her upstairs because it was on top of like 28 steps, um, the main performance space. Um, and we recognised, because when we were at her upstairs, we used to have after parties as well in the downstairs space um, and people who needed step through access would come along to those. So we recognised actually we have a whole like demographic that want to see our show that we're um, that it's not possible for them to. So, so her upstairs, yeah, when that went, lots of places tried to get us to go to their venues. Um, but the RVT was, it, it was like when you're looking for your new home, like when you're physically going around, you know, in the realtor's car, looking for your new place and you just drive up to somewhere and you're just like, yes, this is it. And even when you're like, mm, but I don't want that thing over there. And they're like, we'll change it. <laughs> 
we'll completely repaint it it'll be yeah. like be full of glitter next time you see it it'll be totally fine exactly um yeah so they made some wonderful commitments to us um and yeah agreement so that it, we know if we do have guests who need step-free access and um, that we can facilitate their visit so that makes me very happy that's brilliant yeah. that's so cool how how did you um discover your your talent and your your singing singing <gasps> amazing singing abilities oh well <laughs> um my mum threw me into ballet class at like age two so I am first generation, um, so born here. My mum is born in Zambia. So I need you to imagine this woman who has come to another country and just wants the best setup for her child. So I guess she had heard that, you know, put your child into performing classes. It's great for their energy or to see who they are. Um, so since the age of two, I've been running around, flexing and pointing my feet. Um <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, because uh, as I lightly mentioned before, my university degree is in dance as well. Um, but the singing part has just been something that I could like always do, maybe not necessarily in tune. Um, <laughs> had to had to be reeled in for that business. Um, but it was something that I've just always enjoyed performing. And those weekend theatre classes, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah amazing. I had this as a kid I know yeah <laughs> exactly um in fact I was singing I know him so well um to my flatmate because I told you I harass her constantly um, and I was like it means so much to me because I remember being eight years old standing around a piano on a Saturday singing this song <laughs> that's amazing oh gosh um so yeah but the way in which I got into cabaret though like how did I get my skill in the door is um when I finished university um where I had studied dance and also I'd been the front woman for a punk band um which was really fun amazing yeah that's really cool <laughs> I didn't realize that yeah um it was really really wonderful and I had shaved hair at the time as well like a complete skinhead um yeah and I've got a good shaped head. I just want to say everyone was like, nice, a great shaped skull. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. Cause that's always the fear when you shave it all off, isn't it? Like, does it look okay underneath? Is it going to be weird and bumpy? But no, right? that's always yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. When I left university, I was like, I want to sing. Um, I really had enough of being made to do the plank every morning and to do like 12 pirouettes. I've had enough of dancing. I want to sing. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, so I went to try out at a commercial cabaret venue as a singer, but I didn't really have an understanding of what a vocalist in cabaret should sound like. So even though I did bring my style, um, cabaret, I would say, was not decolonized enough for a vocalist of my styling to be successful. Um, I bumped into a burlesque performer in the changing room. She was smiling and she was black and I was smiling and I was black. <laughs> the rest is, no, she told me she was graduating a burlesque school and um, that they needed a stage manager. And I was like, oh, I've come from the world of performance. I'll do that. Um, and so I started off by picking up people's knickers, basically, knickers and bras. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an important job to do. Right. Like when they go all over the stage, you need to, but yeah. Right. Someone's going to put up. that mic stand out there. And the whole yeah. time thinking, I should be on that stage. Um, and then I noticed lots of cabaret performers didn't have very good videos basically. Um, and I was like, oh, I've got a videography skill set from my dance degree. Um, and that's how I got to meet lots of cabaret performers. And then I started to hear about the shows that accepted like newer people. So I started performing in those. And big shout out to Lena May and 100 Watt Club, because they actually gave me like my first newcomer slot. Um, so then to become like one of their hosts for a while, that was incredible. Um, That's brilliant. Basically, I was performing in all these spaces which weren't necessarily catered to me. And I just kind of got sick and tired of it. And it happened all around the same time as the Pride in London not booking any black lesbians for the cabaret stage. And I was like, why not? And then people said, maybe no black lesbians can sing. I was like, shut up. I'm a black lesbian and I can sing. Um, <laughs> and, and then I created the Cocoa Butter Club. There we go. That's the whole story. 
that's amazing it's just it's a phenomenal journey and yeah yeah and crazy and, and i and i yeah you do some amazing you do some brilliant things so Thank I, think you. I try to be um, all rounded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, what's your favorite song to perform? Oh, um, okay. I'll tell you the other way around. My least favorite song is Whitney, favorite song first. is Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody purely because I have just, I thought if I just had that song, it would, you know, buy me a house if I just kept performing it really well. Um, it's paid for a lot of takeaways. <laughs> let's put it that way no um it's just that everyone asks me to perform it all the time because it's like a go-to everyone enjoys it so I'm a bit like <sighs> yeah and um, you perform it at pride last year as well yeah all the time yeah. exactly <laughs> everywhere but that was incredible though I got to have like backing dancers and such that I know I saw cool. <laughs> yeah um right so what's your favorite song Sadie oh I like doing um Beyonce's work it out because everyone just goes wild. Um, and I like also uh, Candy Satin, um, Young Hearts Run Free, um, because it reminds me of my mum. I sing that song for my mum. <laughs> That's And it's, a, it's an amazing song. That song always reminds me. It, for me, it's got that connotation with Romeo and Juliet, That's the uh, Baz Luhrmann version. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I always want to just recreate that moment where Mercutio is just, yeah. 100%. I rewatched that recently. It's just, it's just too good. It's still, it holds up, so, like because it was a, it came out when I was a teenager, and it was just the time when everyone was doing uh, Shakespeare at school, and so people who got to do Romeo and Juliet got to watch that, and I didn't. I had to do like Henry V or something, and it was like, oh, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> but I love the film. It's a great film. Um. Oh, speaking of royals, have you watched um The Great on Star Plays slash Amazon? No, I haven't actually. Please do with Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning, um, who is a far superior actress to her sister. I must be honest, but we'll keep okay. Um, <laughs> it's incredible. It's so funny, and it's so like quintessentially British, even though they're not British. Um, but the yeah, it's great. And then I went on a binge. I got stuck. Um, and then I watched what's it called, The White Queen, and then The White Princess, and then The Spanish Princess. Do you know any of these? <laughs> No, I don't. Those are what those are lockdown. Those are lockdown yeah. binges that I've not heard yeah. of so far. It's all to do with just the royal family. When you say that Henry uh, the Fifth, yeah, you learn oh, yeah. about all of them, um, but from a really like camp, dramatic, and yeah. female perspective. Um, but through that, I have decided that we don't need royalty anymore. I know I just took the conversation on a real turn there. It, it did. <laughs> That's a real turn. That's an interesting turn. <laughs> I, I was also going to say, how did you discover your queer identity? Oh, well done. Okay, so when I was running around in the phase of filming people, um, I got hired, I got contracted um, by a former producer um, to film at Madame Jojo's to film for Tranny Shack, which was a competition Um yes, hosted by uh, the Dusty O, um, Dusty O, sorry, and... Um, and it was a drag queen competition, basically. So I was filming this. Um, and I had just finished filming Cabaret Roulette because they were on at the same night. And I was in the venue and then a drag queen by the name of Vanity Von Glow um, came up to me and was like, hey, want to come and get some food? And I was like, I like food. Um, <laughs> so we went to Balance. And this Amazing. is a really important part because basically I always knew something was offbeat about me. And I'm going to frame it that way because I came from a Catholic upbringing and I went to a boarding school. Um, yet, so I knew that there was something offbeat as far as what they expected of me. Um, and it honestly... I think if it hadn't been for Vanity grabbing my hand that day and becoming like my first drag queen friend and then um, hiring me for performances and such, I actually wouldn't have been immersed in queer spaces to understand that I was queer. And actually, I might probably like be married today. Do you know what I mean? Like married to <laughs> to a man, but like be secretly really just not know what was up with me. Um, yes, I really, when people ask, how did I recognise that? Um, apart from that tingly feeling downstairs whenever I look at a gorgeous woman. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really, I do credit vanity and or maybe just also how a small moment can change your life completely. No, definitely. 
and that's and that's an amazing moment and i think yeah and the the church backgrounds i think it happens like i i'm a i got brought up heavily methodist um <laughs> so not as strict as the catholics yeah uh, but like <laughs> i understand the church background when you're sort of you're openly sort of told this is not who you're supposed to be and then you have to re- work it out and you realize that you're different from your friends and your friends are having other discussions and yeah um, um, I had a friend at boarding school who she knew she was a lesbian um, and um, I never felt any which way about that actually. Like I didn't feel like, oh, maybe I am too. And I didn't feel like, oh, I'm not. Um, so it's really just, yeah. I mean, oh, I remember now my first girlfriend actually at um, university and it was so funny because I met, well, it's so funny to me. Um, <laughs> I met her outside on the Monday nightclub, you know, at university, like each club oh, yeah. where it's popular. Yeah, I met her outside at the Monday nightclub and I had just confessed to this boy that I thought I liked him. And he was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I don't really feel the same. And I was like, I gotta go outside. <laughs> Um, and in that going outside is where I saw the person that would uh, turn out to be my first girlfriend. Um, and that was pretty cool. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's such a, like, that's a, that's such an amazing moment. Yeah. Um, so did you go to university in London or was it somewhere outside? No, of... I went to Northampton. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah, and I thought I would go to somewhere like Lippa, so Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts. Um, but I went to the audition at Northampton and um, I even like fell over onto the girl next to me, like when we were meant to roll on the floor. (laughs) So I really didn't think I'd get in. But when they wrote to me saying that, yeah, I want to offer you a space. um, I don't know, just the whole thing. Like even the teacher um, there, Matt Goff, he was the teacher at the time. Um, I'm not sure if he's still there. He's sensational and also a black man. And I think that really mattered as well. Um, yeah, it was the only space where it, it was a black male teacher. Um, and I just think that was a real gift to all of the black students in the class, just to have someone who, yeah, who just looks like you. Like, we didn't all have the same backgrounds at all. Blackness is not a monolith. Um, you know, we could have not got on. But um, I don't know, I guess it also just made us think there was a point in doing our course because when there are so many things that are inherently given to the white body um, to be learning from a black man um, lets you know, like, there's space for me. I can do this, unlike my ballet classes, which I stopped when I was younger because I didn't have any black teachers and my hair wouldn't slick the same way that the white girl's hair would go back in the buns. So, like, those little messages. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Northampton, baby. Amazing. <laughs> So I was also going to say, what, what's your experiences of growing up as a queer person in the, in the London scene? Have you seen it change much? Over, it's like since you've been doing the Cocoa Butter Club, have you seen it change for the better? Or what do you, what's, what do you think? Um, definitely. I would say people are taking the reins more themselves. People who were performers are now becoming producers. And that's wonderful because people are kind of maybe having the same feeling I did, which is like, I do this really well and I want a space built around this thing that I do wonderfully because I'm actually not the only one who does it well. There are other people who do this. Um, Yeah, I think I've seen certain initiatives grow as well. Um, Yeah, I think that it has changed. 100% actually now I think about it. 100% a complete no, it's a 180. If it was 360, we'd be back where we started. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good catch. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I, was, I was also going to say, you, you do a lot for, um, you're a massive part of the, the team for UK Black Pride as well, uh, which I think is, which I think is phenomenal. Um, and with it, with all of the, the events that have happened recently and the rise of the, the bigger discussions about the Black Lives Matter uh Black Lives Matter movement at the moment, especially in the UK, um, and especially within the queer scene as well. How do you think the scene is changing with like these more open discussions about racism? Um, I think that the cabaret slash performance slash queer scene, basically. So I mean, like, um, places place like the Glory, um, Dalton Superstore, and such. I actually think 
that all these spaces, including the RVT, of course, were a bit ahead of the game. They were already starting to have these discussions. Um, and it's a reason why when lockdown is over, we will see events such as um, Hot Chalk, which is the new um, black, uh, well, cutie pock night at um, the Glory. I'm sure it will sell out every single event now, um, which is good that they had something before and then now people will know and can go to something. Um, wait, what was the question again? <laughs> Um, um, yeah, right. Yeah, racism in the in the queer community yeah. in London. Well um, yes, I think the discussions are being had, and people are able to say things with their chest a bit more. But I also think that things are becoming a bit polarizing. Um, so some people um, are just struggling, like to I don't know, to download the upgrade is what I want to say. Um, so. For instance, some of the Pride events, like the drag queen events that were trying to happen online when they were all white lineups and um, kudos to the community for challenging them. Every single one of them was like, where are the people of colour? Um, and then when the producer would say, but this is who people want to see. And then the audience were like, no, we're asking you, where are the people of colour? So um, like that has changed massively. Like people are making it their business to make sure that... Um, that bodies of colour are being centred, are being platformed. And also people are interrogating people's intentions as well, which is wonderful because it's really easy to, um, it's really easy to suddenly say like, oh, we're showcasing black people. But also my questions are, did you ask that black person to perform for free? Um, we had a problem in the beginning where everyone wanted to put on fundraisers for Black Lives Matter and they kept saying we're looking for black performers to perform at our fundraiser and if they write to the Cocoa Butter Club I would ask them you know are you paying the black performers and they're like no it's a fundraiser for Black Lives Matter and I was like why do you not think the black lives of the performers matter you don't know what's going on in yeah. their life at all of course that's um, crazy yeah just like people didn't I guess, like, really understand that part. So we're in a messy period, but we're definitely, um, people are making active efforts to platform, to centre Black bodies and bodies of colour as a response to the current climate. But um, basically, wrapping it all back, I do think that some spaces were already doing it. Um, and that's maybe also why it's a bit hurtful to see the sudden influx of people now wanting to platform Black people or people of colour. Um, because we were black and POC all the time, you know? Why is it just now that you want to <laughs> showcase us? Um, yeah. And it's, and it's crazy because I think there's also so many, I saw one of the things I saw, I think the point you make about people challenging brands and, and venues about what they need to do, I actually saw Skyscanner did a, 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 um, a event about travel and they were getting loads of influencers and uh, different people to bring on uh, to talk about um, queerness in the travel industry and like travel bloggers. And someone questioned them directly and said, you've got no queer people of color on your, on this at all. Like what's happening? And a week later they brought on loads of influencers who then became part of the discussion. And I was like, good on you is a big brand. Yeah. To, good on the person to point it out, but good on the brand to say, do you know what? we found some and here's some amazing people and they were brilliant so i think it's good that people are challenging but there's always yeah. more there's more that we should do i think there's more that as a community that we could do together to uplift especially the black queer people of color as well yeah i think that we're i think that we are very lucky but also i do think that we're super extra lucky because we're in london um yes. so this comes very naturally to us, but I do know that places outside of London are struggling more with this, and they're not seeing the same. They're not seeing the same welcome to the movement, um, because you can. Um, how can I say this? You, my, what I'm pushing for and platforming. Um, be very careful how I say this. What I'm pushing for and platforming um, isn't Black Lives Matter, um, the organisation. It's the concept of Black Lives Mattering. And there's um, like a big difference between them. And the reason I say that is because um, the feelings that I have and the actions that I do were happening before Black Lives Matter, the movement, was founded. Um, yeah, so... Um, 
yeah, so people who are outside of London, basically, I just think not having the same welcome um, of the idea, which, bless their hearts, is kind of all I can say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And I think those communities need to check themselves and, and do better and also support. I think it's if we can offer a lot of support, like, yeah, if we can help with more support for those communities. And I think there's... It, yeah. I have seen like um, even just healing spaces. I've seen so many black centered um, Zoom healing spaces being held during this time. And they're important because they allow all of us to connect with each other. So there are performers in Manchester, performers in Newcastle and um, performers in Bristol. We're all able to yeah have these conversations and to kind of be like, even if your physical location that like the town you're in isn't supporting, you know, this notion, um, like you're not alone basically yeah. yeah because it's just so easy I think in London to feel the concept of family even myself speaking with you now you know and to feel so comfortable and to be able to talk about and address these things but I don't know had we both grown up outside of London would this even be who we are yeah, yeah. no definitely it's such a it, yeah tricky. it's a tricky discussion <laughs> definitely a tricky discussion <laughs> uh, I was also going to say you took part in a, uh, an amazing documentary film that I saw recently the Black Velvet documentary. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you to Mimi Koku, um, who is a Nigerian filmmaker and a musician. And she was a film student at the Met Film School. Yes. And um, she got in touch and asked to make a documentary. Initially, I think about myself, but um, the Cocoa Butter Club is like my baby. But yeah, so we're a gang we come together so yeah, yeah, yeah. it comes as a family unit it's yeah. either all of you or none of you yeah precisely um it was phenomenal the final product was just incredible she should be so proud of herself um i mean i know she is but she should be extra proud of herself um it was a great way to have what we do packaged um yeah and i think everyone actually who has seen it has understood us more understood the challenges we face why we exist and like what we actually do and the amount of work that is involved in putting on a production yeah yeah that's really cool (laughs) so Sadie if you're happy are you happy for us to move on to our pop quiz are you ready Yes. yes cool so yeah, as everyone knows, the quiz is four, three, two, one. Uh, so it goes. We ask Sadie a series of questions in number order. Uh, so the first question, Sadie, can you give me four LGBTQ plus creators that we should be checking out right now? Okay, first of all, we all have to check out Ben Hunt. Um, hopefully, you know who Ben Hunt is, the BBC correspondent for LGBTQIA plus matters. Um, he is also a black gay man, and that is really important. Um, and he topped the the he topped the Pride pa- uh, power list this week as well, which is amazing. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> it was wonderful. No, don't worry at all. Um, and um. I love his clapback as well because apparently he then received some tweets, you know, your family must be ashamed of you. And what did he do? He posted a picture of himself and his beautiful black family all celebrating him winning the award. Amazing. Yeah, that was just so wonderful. Um, Kamari Romeo, the founder of um, Creative Humblebee. Um, They are also the people who made the, my understanding is the premier Cutie Pock trans retreat it's called camp kiki and um yeah uh, they had their first one last year and obviously this year because of covid ruining everyone's 2020 but fingers crossed they'll be back up next year um oh tanya compass as well um who is undeniably such a force this human um (laughs) excites me and um excites me and terrifies me in equal measures. And what I mean by this is like, I thought I was good at what I do, but oh my goodness, Tanya Compass, like between uh, the Black Queer Christmas and the Exist Loudly camp. um, And also, and the reason why I say terrified as well is because they make me feel so insecure. I'm pretty sure I've got a couple years above them. um, And I just just see them as this incredible force. Like if this is who they are now, who are they gonna be in five years and 10 years? Like, yeah. That just, yeah, it's so wild for me. I look at this person and I see them as superhuman. I just see them so committed to what they do. They live, breathe and eat um, youth work. 
youth activism within the LGBTQI community. Um, and also, so this person that I'm going to mention, I realise they come up on my list twice, but their music... That's totally fine. We're okay, that. Excellent. Uh, Tomboy Sexy. So, Tomboy Sexy is a London-based um, music artist. Just check her out. Um, we don't have enough um, black lesbians on the scene, showcased and centred. Um, you know, sometimes there's a stigma around being a lesbian as well in the queer community. Um, this person is such a wonderful person and such a great artist. Um, you can catch me listening to them on Spotify. <laughs> and you should. So we should follow you on Spotify to see who you're listening yeah, to. Yeah, you well. need to check out Tomboy Sexy. It's a really, really good sound. Um, Amazing. That was cool. <laughs> that was four brilliant um could you now is it possible if you could give me three lgbtq nights or bars in london that we should be checking out yes um okay so you're already going to check out the coca butter club so that is not one i'm going to include in the list because i want no, to that's standard we, we yeah. all were going to do that anyway that's totally fine don't worry exactly. <laughs> um so what the coca butter club does for performers of colour but mainly for black and brown bodies um, the bitten peach does for the pan Asian community you need to check out the bitten peach especially if you have ever enjoyed anything by the cocoa butter club because this is again asking you to just shift the gaze so um, when we're at the cocoa butter club you actually see things despite it being for performers of colour um, you see things very much through the black gaze because I am a black woman. Um, so even the language that I use, um, yes, and even many of the performers that we feature are black performers. Um, so the Bitten Peach honours the Pan-Asian community. Um, and yeah, if, just if you think the Cocoa Butter Club is important, then the, then you will find the Bitten Peach important as well, especially if you are not someone from the Pan-Asian community, because um, the hypervisibility of Black people, which is sad because it comes at the um, price of police brutality and racism, um, but we do have um, hyper, yeah, we do have hypervisibility, and people really understand that we are a quote unquote minority um, that needs to be uplifted um sometimes the pan-asian community actually get lost in the conversation um because they're not white people and we need to remember this is that they do actually have a nuance of experience of racism um and yeah so it's it's just it's so fundamental so please do check it out basically i guess is what i'm trying to say that yes if you want to learn about how different races experience racism there we go. <laughs> um, I'm going to wait for the mashup of the Cocoa Butter Club, the Bit and oh, Peach, and Hungama as right, one big, right. one big night. That would be phenomenal. So what I want to do is, I've already asked the Bit and Peach about this. I want to do a panto of Cinderella. You know the version that had Whitney Houston in it. Oh yes. Did yep. you ever see that one? Yeah, with the beautiful Asian prince. Yes, and the black Cinderella. Like we want to. I want us to do a remix of that, basically. Um, please do check out. House of Royals. It is a LGBTQI plus collective, performance collective of um of the new generation is what I want to say. So they're the people who are yeah just after myself basically, um, and the reason you want to check them out is because they are just so much energy. Um, these the they are the youth. Like I'm not an old woman, so I don't know why I'm talking about <laughs> this. But what I mean is like um. Okay, if the people who were born before me had to put up with a lot of shit and maybe sometimes that's why they find it a little bit difficult when people of my generation come in and say, let's change stuff. But like the people who won't even question you when you say we got to fight this is the generation like beneath and that's House of Royals. Um, yeah, they're so committed to equality, equity, celebrations of uh, LGBTQI plus bodies. Um, and it's just, it's... Basic, they're like they're like kids with flamethrowers like they're ready for the war <laughs> that's what i mean like they're just ready <laughs> they're just amazing um okay and um as i said before hot chalk as well do go check it out it's going to be at the glory it's reese's pieces and Bolly illusion um that's their night to showcase and celebrate performance of color but if we're talking about things online so sorry this is still three i've decided of course that's no, um, fine <laughs> check out rush 
um, which is a showcase of children of the Windrush generation which is beautiful because I'm not associated with the Windrush generation. My mum didn't come to England as a part of that. Um, so again, when I host the Cocoa Butter Club, it's really through a particular um, idea of blackness. And as I said before, blackness is not a monolith. So um, when you watch Rush, you will see nuances in these children of Caribbean and Indian descent, basically. Yeah. Wow, I am good today. You are very good at this. What is going on? <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, um, two. Next, yeah. next, can you give me two queer music artists we should be listening to right now? Please, can you check out Tomboy Sexy? I already said it. You can find her on Spotify. <laughs> and um, whilst you're there, can you also check out Jason Kwan? Jason is a phenomenal musician and they also work at AKT. Um, and I mentioned that because we should really support people who are doing bits for our community on the ground. Um, yes, so Jason Kwan and Tomboy Sexy. Amazing. And last but not least, can you give us one unsung hero of the LGBTQ plus scene? Yes, I can. I would like to say the drum roll. Yeah, yeah, I would. And it is not an individual, sorry, but it's Whiplash, um, which is by Amelia Cavello, aka King Tito. Do you know who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. Oh, yes. Excellent. Um, And I also, under that, want to include a special honorary mention for Coco Brown, who is a uh, black woman and um, pushes for accessibility as well. It's because of Coco and because of Amelia, both of them, um, they pushed us to step up our accessibility pussy um, (laughs) when we had our film screening. So we had audio description. we started yeah and just wonderful people like if I campaign and showcase for people to understand um black art matters and black lives matter these individuals are doing the same in regards to accessibility because also how can you say black lives matter but not think about people who have more accessibility requirements right of course great Yeah. that's amazing thank, thank you. you very I much i played the game my own way but i played it <laughs> no it's great that's that's how we that's how we do it here we have sort of simple but f- like fluid rules and that's the best way to be awesome. um i was gonna say i'm gonna throw in one more that i haven't actually asked you about so i can say what's your binge watch for locked what's your binge watches for lockdown been apart from the ones you mentioned before mm-hmm. um rick and morty of course yes. amazing um, which I used to hate and then my flatmate was like just watch it and I was like fine it's so <laughs> deep it's really yeah. deep and scary I, it's yeah. amazing and um, she also got me onto Orphan Black which I watched beforehand when it was first coming out but that's just five series of what is going on it's absolutely amazing and the actress who plays all the different versions mind absolutely like blown at how incredible that is yeah those are my binges for sure good choices i like those i like those sadie thank you so much for joining us on the podcast uh it's been an absolute pleasure and i'm so glad we finally got you on yeah thank you thank you for your patience and you're just so wonderful (laughs) oh thank you thank you very much um i was gonna say where can people find you on the socials and the world wide web Oh, yes. So you can find me on Instagram, posting gorgeous pictures, um, at Sadie Sinner. Um, You can find me on the old Facebook, the old fan page, but I don't use that so much. It's too much. Um, But also Twitter as well. It's always at Sadie Sinner, uh, which is S-I-N-N-E-R, because I um, put the lick in Catholic. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) My mum can't listen to this. <laughs> Your mum can't listen to this, but everyone else can. <laughs> Hopefully she won't even know that means. She'll be like, oh, cool. <laughs> That's great. Lovely. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, what, have you, what have you got coming up that we should be keeping an eye out for? Oh, my goodness. That depends on what day today is. <laughs> <laughs> is the honest answer to that question. Oh, my friend's birthday is on Sunday um a nice little social distance party um 
Um, I don't know what's going on. Okay, but I can tell you what my package was. I had a package arrive today. Um, so I think I'll just be doing this stuff. Um, basically, I was one of the successful, one of the artists successful to get funded by Arts Council England for the COVID. Congratulations. Uh, That's amazing. Thank you. Um, so with that, I asked for equipment to be able to support creating content from home. So I just opened a package today of my own sure super 55 microphone it's incredible looks super vintage and my own little pa system which has built-in bluetooth and a built-in mixer yay that's really cool <laughs> so uh, the rest of the day today will probably just be me singing to my cat um through this microphone and sound system <laughs> that's brilliant um, your cat is so lucky so lucky well it's my neighbors who are very lucky but i found out my downstairs neighbor it used to be a rock star so i used to be a drummer so we just make all the noise <laughs> that's amazing that would be brilliant living near you must be it's gonna be definitely interesting at the moment <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you so much for having me um any artists anyone who's create just come on this podcast it's amazing and um, this is so fun this is so relaxing i actually think i'll have withdrawal symptoms afterwards once we hang up don't leave too fast please <laughs> i won't leave too fast it's totally fine we'll definitely catch you soon and we'll definitely have to get you on at another date for a, for a second round i think we could talk for hours i think we could talk for hours Amy. <laughs> it's true oh. but I, I also just want to say thank you for all the amazing stuff you do with the Kotaku Work Club, but also for the rest of the scene and also with the um, UK Black Pride and everything like that. Like, it must have been a crazy few months, but I just want to say thank you for just being phenomenal. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you to you and to the community for honouring the work that I do. That is, it's really beautiful to be witnessed, to be seen, because um, I don't do it to be seen, but God, I love attention. So, yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome guys so that's all from that's all from sadie and i and we'll speak to you soon see you later Goodbye. bye <laughs> thanks for listening to the hey queer london podcast tea and cake you can follow hey queer london on instagram and twitter at hey queer ldn to discover london's queer scene you can also follow us at tea and cake pod on twitter and instagram as well get in touch and tell us what you think of the show we're on most podcast platforms, so please give us a review. The show is produced, presented, and edited by Hey Queer London founder Steve Whiting. A big thank you to Kelly Lee for letting us use her track Can't Dance. The show is produced by Mischievosity.